Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive, personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, but you probably know that already. Either that or you don't particularly care. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the others. It doesn't matter uh, because we've got a guest that I've been wanting to talk to all week long because I fit into the category that she works with a lot. And uh, her name is Sarah Joseph Geber, and she's a Ph.D., and she's one of the world-renowned authorities on aging and uh, people aging alone and being single and that sort of thing. Have I misrepresented that in any way? Not at all. That's exactly who I am and what I do. <laughs> well, and I'm, I are one of those uh, that is, okay. you know, I was, you know, married for 24 years and uh, the first six months were beautiful. And uh, I have been decided to be single and I'm growing older single and that presents its own set of challenges and and stuff and we're going to talk about that today so it's mm -hmm. really exciting i'm glad you're here so the first question i'd have for you is how'd you get into this work and what what motivated you to do this well to answer that i have to tell you a story i was oh probably about 10 years ago um i was out having a glass of wine at a cute little bar in Silicon Valley with a friend of mine. And she was telling me about how much time she'd been spending with her elderly mother. Her mother was getting into her late eighties and she was trying to figure it out living alone. And my friend Sandy finally convinced her that she needed to move into a safer situation, a senior community. So she was flying back and forth across the country trying to get her moved in. And Sandy wasn't the only person that I'd been hearing this from. A lot of my friends were spending a tremendous amount of time with their aging parents doing all sorts of things for them. And after a couple glasses of wine, I looked at Sandy and I said, Sandy, you and I don't have kids. Who's going to do that for us? And of course, <laughs> the answer to that is zero. And there, there's, there is no answer to that, really. So at that point, and again, this was about 10 years ago, I realized that I was going to have to figure that out for myself and that in doing so, I could probably help a lot of other people because there are a lot of people in this situation that either are aging totally alone uh, because they, in a lot of cases, never got married. Some are divorced, but many never have kids. I am married, but my husband and I don't have kids. So one of us is going to predecease the other, I assume, unless we both get hit by the same bus on the same day. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but we have to plan accordingly. And so I've spent the last 10 years researching how solo agers can do that. You know, it's interesting that you say that. One time I was with my mother, who has since passed, uh, 
Um, but we were having lunch at a, uh, a Red Lobster, and uh, there was a table in the middle, and it had like 14 older people in the middle of the table. And we saw the, the, uh, it was a, the assisted living van was out front, so we know where they came from there. There were 12 women and two guys. <laughs> and that's the I think that's a major problem that we have is that men tend to predecease their their wives. And so the women end up being alone, not necessarily by choice, but by reality. And it, it would be helpful for them to know, because that's got to be really, really scary if you're depending upon somebody and then they're suddenly no longer there. Absolutely. Um, I just got done <clears throat> writing an article on solo aging through widowhood and which is what happens to a lot of people. Now, initially I defined solo aging as anyone who didn't have kids, but I quickly realized because I got a lot of feedback and blowback as they say about how there were lots of people out there that had kids, but those kids lived a couple thousand miles away. They were unavailable. They had lives of their own. They weren't gonna be interested in helping, helping mom or dad uh, with whatever need they had. And even though I have seen in so many occasions where kids fly in from all sorts of places to make sure that mom or dad is appropriately cared for and has the right place to live and whatnot, still um, there are situations where kids are estranged, uh, their kids kind of failed to thrive in some cases. So there's all sorts of situations that create solo agers and not having children is, is just one of those situations. But certainly there are a lot of people aging alone and for lots of different reasons, um, more women than men. Men just to, do tend to die earlier. Yep, and um, you know, I, I, my, my mother lived on Woodby Island just as a, another quick story. Beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. but And they had the largest growing group on the island. Um, it was called the Widow's Club. Um, <laughs> because they kept on growing because they kept becoming more widows. As a matter of fact, one gal uh, joined and had, when you get married again, you have to quit the club. She joined three different times. Because she, oh, wow. She lost three <laughs> different husbands. And then she was alone again. And for somebody that really wants to be married, see, I would prefer to be single, but for somebody that wants to be married and they can't and they're single and negotiating that all, all alone is really, really hard. I'm glad there's yeah. an advocate for you like you out there to help people uh, deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. And it, there's a lot to figure out and I certainly haven't got it all figured out yet, but I have a lot of different, a lot of different avenues that I'm exploring and, and, and it's, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. So I have one friend and I, I jokingly accuse her of being the solo ager that isn't, but she has four, she has four older sisters. Now they're all in their seventies at this point, but she's the youngest. And she doesn't have kids. She never married. She was a scientist. She was off in places like the Galapagos Islands for quite a few years. But she always stayed close to her sisters and those nieces and nephews that came along. And the nieces and nephews had great times visiting her in different exotic places and working with her from time to time. Some of them even lived there for a while. So this is my friend Linda. And when she retired, she went back to the 
town in California where we were all raised. And she lived near her sisters and near those nieces and nephews. And she's gonna be well taken care of. She's got so many people that care for her and they're close by. So they, they tick all the right boxes. You know, they've, they're, she's invested in them, they're invested in her emotionally and they're nearby and they care about her. So you know, she's got a, a good, really good situation for a complete solo ager by the, you know, by the looks of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, it would be nice to have a bunch of folks around. But like in my case, when I have one of my sons is in the military and is right now in Japan. Now he's going to go to uh, England for probably 10 years. And so he's out of the picture. And my other son, well, let's just say he's not a what I would consider to be a great caregiver type, although he cares yeah. for me and he loves me. But it's still, you know, it's not one of those things where he's around and. Uh, that that closely and, and stuff so how do you how do you teach somebody who is alone on on and how do you teach them to thrive and to do well with that the you know there it's it's kind of a three-legged stool of thriving for a solo ager and it's all around planning because to me planning is the essence of being successful as a solo ager and setting yourself up for success. And of course, the earlier you start on that, the better. But that three-legged stool is legal, financial, and social. So you need to set up your, you need to do your estate planning. Choose someone to be your power of attorney. Choose someone to be have your advanced directive. That's kind of just like a power of attorney for healthcare. And then you also need to have a will. And well, everybody needs a will. Some people need a trust, but whatever that legal status that you want to set up for yourself so that there are people to back you up, you have a, a like a backup plan. That's important. And then the financial is important too. And I encourage a lot of people to work with a financial planner. You know, they're that profession has changed a lot in the last 10 years. They are no longer trying to put you in funds that they get big kickbacks on. Most financial planners today are independent planners and work on a fee only basis. And of course, everybody should look for someone that works on a fee only basis. So they charge you for their time, really. And you need to know, everybody needs to know whether you have kids or not. Uh, but everybody needs to know whether the money they have is going to last them for the rest of their life. And these days, the rest of life can easily be 100 years. So, you know, we're not going to all live to be 100, but many of us will live well into our late 80s and probably into our 90s. Every year, that expectation goes up. So, you know, we're learning how to manage all kinds of conditions and diseases, and it keeps us alive longer. So th those are the those are two. Those are the financial and the legal. The third one, the social one, I think is even the, the most important one. And that is having a good social support system around you. So that's something that a lot of people who are solo age, especially people who have been solo a long time have put together a kind of a family of choice. 
they have friends, they may have extended family, sometimes um, siblings live close to one another and stay close all of their adult years. And if those siblings have nieces and nephews, so that's good. And it's also wonderful to supplement those with friends. And the best of all worlds is younger friends. So the extent to which you can cultivate younger friends in your world, you will have a, a more solid safety net. Because when you start making, making plans and making pacts, you know, to do for one another with people your own age, you don't know who's going to go first. I do have a number of people who have taken the advice that I'm dishing out and uh, used it in very different ways. Uh, I have several, I know several women who have started small groups and they're all kind of have each other's back. Um, uh, my friend Susan that I talked to the other day was telling me about how she had formed an alliance with another woman and every morning they text each other just a real quick thing saying I'm up or I'm okay. And so they have the peace of mind of knowing that if their partner doesn't receive that text, there's a problem and somebody needs to go to their house. So it's little things like that that are important. But the, the most important thing is really to make sure that you have that social support system around you. And if you haven't really done that yet, to look around you and figure out how you could develop and nurture a support system. Now, some people do that. Now, people do that in different ways. A lot of people do that through their church or synagogue or mosque, because typically those kinds of institutions have groups that are already established for that kind of, of socializing and coming together. Um, so that's a good place to do it. But really, any place, places where you volunteer, places where you work, places uh, maybe you're involved in civic kinds of activities. Um, you may be an usher at a theater, you may have a book club, just, just endless kinds of situations that create opportunities for social networking. Now, do you advocate people do, because like myself, I've moved into a 55 plus mobile home community. Love that. I'm home here, but, and then they've got a rec center and, and for all the folks, if you can get the folks out of the house to go yes. to the rec center, which is the biggest challenge um, that can benefit them. Uh, Absolutely. I've become a huge, huge fan of mobile home parks, whether they're 55 plus or just open to all ages, because here, here's what you have in a mobile home that you don't have in a single family home. You have people that see each other every day. There's not a lot of room in those mobile homes unless you've got a huge fancy one. And most people don't. They have a, a modest one that maybe, I don't know, what, what is yours, 30 foot, something like that? Yeah, mine's 20 by 40. And, yeah, and so. It's, it's a small, it's small double wide. But, you know, <laughs> I, if, if somebody lived with me, I'd see them all the time. Yeah, yeah, because we're, do you have a washer and dryer in your unit? I do. Okay, so some mobile home parks don't, allow that or they are set up in such a way that there are smaller mobile homes that don't have that so everybody has to go to the common house to do their wash right. uh, there are others where, where do you go to get your mail 
Um, fortunately for me, my mail is delivered here, but I know that there are some of the places where uh, you have to go to the office and, and it's right. kind of a social gathering point. It is. It is. And in our, in our typical suburban neighborhoods, living on some cul-de-sac somewhere where you pull into your garage and that's the last you ever see of the front of your house, all living takes place in the back of the house. You never see your neighbors. You never have a chance to, to mingle and mix and, and kind of get to know people. But in mobile home parks, that is just different. We have some beautiful ones around here where I live. I live in um, Santa Rosa, California. And uh, I watch, especially during the summertime, people gather around the pool, they have potlucks, there's a big park across the street. And sometimes I see them all going over to the park with their folding chairs, especially during COVID. Oh, yeah. I had an interesting thing happen during COVID. This is kind of a funny story that people really seem to enjoy. I was reading the paper one morning and this was, a, I don't know, 60, 80 days into the lockdown in California. So we just weren't going anywhere. And I'm reading the paper and I'm reading about this fella in the next town over, Petaluma, for those of you that are familiar with our geography. And this fella was going out on his deck at night, every evening at eight o'clock, and he was howling. <laughs> and pretty soon, neighbors in the area started howling back, you know, just like wolves do. They're lone animals, and yet they want others to know they're there. That's how they, they um, call their mates. That's how they just say, hey, I'm here. So they were howling, and I thought, you know, we could do that. So I said to my husband, we're going to go out and howl. And he looked at me like I was a bit batty, but I convinced him and we went out on in the middle of our cul-de-sac because I didn't want to do it from our deck. I mean, nobody sees me there, but I thought if you do it where somebody can actually see you, that might have better consequences. So we went out and just, oh, just started howling. And of course the neighbors came out to see who those idiots were in the middle of the cul-de-sac, but pretty soon, they came out and started howling. And the howling led to a lot of fun discussions. We were out there usually, it was close to summer, so it was nice in the evenings. And we were out there always for half hour, 45 minutes. And that led to some socially distanced potlucks. And pretty soon the engineers among our group were rigging up outdoor, outdoor movie theaters. So we just had a wonderful time. And a lot of us never even knew each other before but we're pretty tightly bonded now. And it it's, took the pandemic to do that. Exactly. Well, you know, we, I lived in the cul-de-sac for years and we had a couple of houses that we were familiar with and friendly with, but a lot of them just, you know, they drive in, they have a garage door opener and it opens up, it shuts. You don't see yeah. them again until they leave the next day and, yep. uh, and stuff. So it's, but this is the, where I live, I happen to live like on a corner and it's kind of a hub, and I there are people. I swear, I could open up a hot dog stand and probably make money. <laughs> you probably could. Good and now. have you met a lot of Have you met a lot of people? Oh, absolutely! They're all over yeah. the place because you know everybody wants to get out and walk a little bit. Yeah. That's what they yeah. say, and and a lot of them will have a, either a dog or a cat, yeah. and they're either even cats on leashes and stuff. So <laughs> you know, it's it, well, but but the social aspect is so important because. 
as, as you get older and you hurt a little bit and you can't move as well, you tend to want to stay home, but you've got to, I, I'm a huge advocate of, of having a hobby, of having something to occupy your time absolutely. and your mind with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, well, it's, Kevin, it's you seem to, you've got it, this pretty well dialed in. Well, for me, it's it's working really quite well because I've got the financial, because where I live, and by the way, if you don't know, mobile homes tend to be a little bit less than a stick house. Um, yeah. And you can, they're, they're a little bit easier to get into. And um, you might rent the uh, spot you're on, but it's it costs less. And you can, on a fixed income, you can live here much better than like an apartment or like they've yeah. got some of these apartments for seniors, but you're not in control of anything. You're not in control of the rent and stuff. And if you're on a fixed income, you know, 50 bucks a month means something. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, again, I'm a huge fan of mobile home parks. Um, I'm a fan of any kind of, of community that brings people together. Now, some people want to live somewhere where they're mingling with all different generations, and that's great. Um, and some people would rather just have the peace and quiet of knowing that everybody's 55 plus, which in most places means they're 65, 70 plus. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I am, see, I'm 64, so I am the younger You're guy. Younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but that, that's fine. I mean, I have a friend that uh, lives here as well, and he makes it a mission of himself to go make sure that people that are staying, that are staying home and don't feel like they can get out, that he makes sure they have enough food and, and, and stuff. Oh, great. And, and, and he'll invite them over for a movie and popcorn or whatever. And, and it's, it's really good for us to do that for each other because it's like my mom, she had her own house, but, and uh, she died recently and she died in 90 and she just fell asleep, but she had friends. Mm -hmm. Because it was mm -hmm. on Whoopi Island, and and she had friends that she was playing bridge with that day and stuff, and they came over and they found her. So she didn't, she wasn't there for like, you know, what can happen, yeah. you know, long time, and, yeah. you know, once you go. So, but it's I think I think it's really important. I love the work that you're doing. I think it's really important. If somebody wants to find out more about what you're doing and and the and the courses that you're working with and stuff, how do they find you? Well, they find me on my website which is sarahzeffgeber.com, really easy. Um, you can, if you're interested in solo aging, now usually I put a, here we go, put a book around here. Um, if you're interested in solo aging, I think a really good place to start is to buy a copy of my book, Essential, Essential Retirement Planet for Solo, for solo Agers. Yeah. And it's available in a lot of bookstores, a lot of libraries, but of course also um, through Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble and some of the online sellers as well. It's a great way to get started thinking about how you're going to manage your own solo aging. You know, I mean, it's really hard. Uh, and so I'm going to bring up a word, and you know this word well, it's called a fiduciary. A fiduciary. And that, that is a, a planner. And if you go ask a planner what kind of planner they are, they're required by law to tell you. Mm -hmm. if, if they are working on a particular, on behalf of a particular company that has got instruments that they're trying to push, or if they are working on your behalf and they take uh, like a percent 
or a percent and a half a year or something or whatever that is. Um, is that how you would encourage somebody to find their financial footing? Yeah, um, absolutely. The word fiduciary means that that person who calls himself a fiduciary must put your interest before their own. That's what the word means. So all financial planners have to um, subscribe to being fiduciaries. I mean, they have, gosh, they have so many licenses that they have to juggle and, and maintain. And through all of that, they have to certify that they are fiduciaries. And now, again, it's those fee-only financial planners or financial advisors. That's what you want to look for because they're the ones that not only are fiduciaries, but you know that, that they're not going to charge you for anything other than their time with you, the fees that they charge, their time, and they take a certain percentage of the monies that you have invested. So, I, you know, you don't have to stay with a financial planner and, and work with them for years. Lots of people do, but... But I encourage everyone to at least visit a financial planner that's been well recommended at least once so that that you can give that person the information they need to plug into these programs that they have that will help you understand whether the money that you're that you have that you've saved the money you're making uh, the money you have in retirement plans they just plug those things into this algorithm and you'll know in minutes whether you're on the right track to lead a good life until you're 97 or whatever number you agree to plug in there, or whether you need to make some adjustments. And sometimes people need to make some adjustments to their lifestyle because their, their money isn't gonna last. So isn't it good to know that? I think everybody should probably wanna know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they, my sister has a financial planner and he uh, built their portfolio out to age 100. Yeah. That they can be, but the downside in his world is he's not going to let you uh, break that uh, pledge by, by spending outside of what you're allowed to spend. So they complain every now and then my financial planner won't give me any money. Well, let, well, let me go on vacation. <laughs> exactly, because he he's looking out after their best interest. Yeah, to make sure yeah. That, yeah. that if they so happen to live that long, that they don't end up on somebody's doorstep. Yeah, I think he's a good guy. I used to I used to listen to a um, um, an elder law attorney, and he used to come and lecture every now and then. I used to belong to a financial planning association, even though I am not a financial planner at all, but I find that they make good partners for what I do. So I belong to their to, to the nearby chapter where I lived down in Silicon Valley. And he used to come and talk to us every couple of years and he'd, he'd always say, you know, you just don't want to be eating cat food in your son's basement. <laughs> that was his watchword. You don't want to eat cat food in your son's basement. That, that's, that's enough to scare anybody. Yeah. You know, because you, you want to, you, you've worked hard your entire life and you want your, the, the, the long-term end years to be well and for you to feel good about yourself and, and mm -hmm. try and stay healthy and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's, as we get older, it's, 
it's harder. I wanted to ask you a question about one of the things that I'm coming into is coming into focus in my life, even at 64, and that is the 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 reality that not all of us are destined to live as long as some of us others are and there's a point in time when you when it seems like everybody you know is dying um how how do you work with people to to get through that you mean the people who are dying or the ones that are leaving behind yeah i'm sorry say that again you do you mean how do i work with people who are dying or the ones that they're leaving behind no, the ones that are still here, but all their friends seem to be dying. Um, but they're, but you know, and and so their their circle of friends are getting smaller, and they're going away. It, that yeah. makes it really tough. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that I encourage people to, to do <clears throat> is to look at their lives. <clears throat> excuse me, and look at the people around them as a kind of an ever changing circle. And that to really continue to have uh, a good set of friends, as I like to call it, a social network, means you have to kind of keep putting, uh, putting those friends in the, the top of the funnel because some of them are going to fall out the bottom every year. It's true. I mean, you know how the royals have this expression, they need an heir and a spare? Well, we need friends and we need spares. So keep on cultivating friendships with people, you know, because as, as everybody knows who has cultivated friendships, which I hope that's everyone, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, when I moved up to Santa Rosa, I, one of the things I did right away was I joined a book club. Well, and so there's eight of us and we um, didn't, none of us knew each other. But after several years, I feel really close to a lot of those women. And a couple of them are 15, 20 years younger than me. And I'm thinking at this point, you know, five years into it, no, I, I could I could ask one of those women to be on my advanced directive or power of attorney. Um, it's not, not out of the realm of thinking. So, you know, they're all bright, intelligent women and they know what I do and they understand the, the cause that I'm championing. So. Um, but that, that's what it takes. You need to keep on cultivating friends. And a lot of people sort of rest on their laurels and say, you know, I've got these, these two besties that I've known for 35 years and we all still get together for lunch and we drive to the next town to, to meet and we go on vacations together and that's all great. But that doesn't last forever. Not just because one of you may die, but because there comes a time in your life when you're not going to be as mobile. You're not going to be able to drive to that next town for lunch. You're not going to be able to spend as much, um, maybe spend as much money on vacations or take those vacations with your friends. We don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. Maybe you will be able to continue to do that. But it always scares me to hear people saying that they're they're putting all their eggs in a basket that lives 2,000 miles away. So exactly. there are so many aspects of this. Well, one of the things that I wanted to touch on with you is, and I think it's pretty important, is, you know, everybody that gets to be older is used to having a, um, 
a certain amount of freedom. And one mm-hmm. of the main, one of the major freedoms that you have is being able to drive an automobile. Yeah. And there's a point in time when that ceases to be a good idea. Uh, yes. That happened to my mom when the, the, the fender benders started to come in and the and the bills from the uh, fix-it shops were growing and stuff. And it was becoming apparent that we were going to have to step in. How do you advocate? That's a horrible conversation to have with somebody. How do yeah. you advocate dealing with that? You know, um, everybody's different. Everybody's parent is different. But I, and I hate to say wait until something happens and then, you know, strike while the iron is hot and say, you know, I think it's time you gave me the keys, Dad. Because um, in in very real way, you don't want to wait till something happens um, because there's going to very likely be other people involved. Uh, my father actually drove into a wall when he was somewhere, actually still in his 70s. Um, and that was the wake-up call that he needed to give up to give up the keys, at least for driving at night. But um, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to have that conversation. I am a I am a non-fan, especially for solo agers, of aging in place. You know, I'm, I'm battling AARP for years on this because AARP did some research again about 10, 12 years ago and discovered that 80 something percent of all older adults want to age in place. Well, if you're a solo ager, in many ways, that's just dumb. Why would you want to put yourself in a situation where something may happen to you and nobody might find you for days? So that doesn't mean you have to move into senior housing, although there are some lovely communities out there um, uh, which meet kind of the middle level and the upper level of income. Uh, but there are, there are places like mobile home parks where, again, people watch out for one another. There are 55 plus mobile home parks. There are um, increasingly ways to hook up with people that I shouldn't use that expression these days <laughs> to get together with, <laughs> find other people to um, to live with. Home well, sharing has become huge. Well, there's nothing wrong with older people hooking up either. I know that's true. <laughs> that's true. But in this context, I just meant find somebody to live with. <laughs> so you know, you may have a big house that you're rambling around in. Why not rent out a bedroom or two? A la the Golden Girls. That worked out well for them. You're not going to fall in love with the person that you move in or whose home you move into. You're going to fall in love with them right away. But respect each other's boundaries and be interested in each other's lives. And, you know, that affection and caring grows. So there's just all kinds of different ways. I mean, I'm a big fan of co-housing and any kind of co-living situation. I'm just not a very big fan of aging in place. Well, then the problem with, I assume when you mean aging in place is just sitting in your, on your uh, uh, recliner right. and watching TV. Um, well, it's more than that. I mean, when I say aging in place, I mean aging in that sub, two or three story suburban home that you've lived oh, in for 40 something years um, all by yourself. How, so, you can't take care of it by yourself. And, and no, you, you can't. can't. And especially... One of the biggest issues that that us 
which is why I'm glad that you advocate uh, mobile home parks, is the problem of stairs as you're getting mm -hmm. old. Yes. Yes. Very few 80-something-year-olds are fans of stairs. Um, I, even, I mean, my husband has uh, very bad knees. He's had several knee surgeries. And um, we knew when we bought this most recent house that it couldn't have stairs. So, uh, and it's hard. It's um, in some areas, especially areas that are hilly, it's, it's sometimes a challenge to find single level homes, smaller single level homes. But um, sometime in the next decade of our lives, we'll be moving into some kind of senior living community. So that's, that's what we've decided to do. People have all kinds of different decisions um, to make in that regard. But, you know, <laughs> sitting in that sitting in that home with the big yard and the deck and all those leaves falling that need to be raked and snow that needs to be shoveled and all that. It's just not smart. No, you know, and I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, older folks, how many of them play bridge? Because none of the younger kids play bridge. <laughs> so they've got to be, it's, that's a game that's kind of going away with the, with that generation. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, you know, when I talk to baby boomers these days, and even when I listen to myself, um, I don't want to sit around and play bridge or mahjong. I want to be out there doing something. I want, as long as I can get out of my home, my apartment, or wherever I'm living, I'm going to be out there volunteering. I'm going to be out there doing something. I want my life to have more meaning and purpose than than a bridge a bridge game or two every week. That is not my idea of growing older. And I'll tell you more and more when I talk to baby boomers that it's not for them. That's this is but the challenge of getting baby boomers to move into a some kind of senior living environment or something a little more social than their home in the suburbs is that they think that they're going to end up sitting in the recliner watching TV, and that's that's death. I mean, you want to right. move into a situation where there are lots and lots of other opportunities. Well, and the cool thing with uh, it's like those 14 ladies that went to Red Lobster. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a uh, outing that they had planned for a while. And, and yeah. so they all got together, got into the van. that So somebody else was driving and waited for them and stuff. And the senior communities now, they actually have uh, uh, activity directors so that they've got Lots of activities for the people to do. Then all they have to do is get yeah. out of their little apartment and go do them. Go do them. And there are people that even don't want that. They want to be able to be more in charge of their own lives. There are people now that are moving into senior communities that still are running their own companies. They're yeah. still working. And, that's, and they want to work until they absolutely can't work anymore. Um, and that's probably going to be me. I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, you know, I don't want to give up the things that add meaning and purpose to my life. Why would I? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I was a bus driver for uh, a number of years, like 12 or 14 years, no, 12 years. And uh, I had to retire. I'm 64 and I fell a couple of times and had to have some surgery. And so that's, but now this is what I do. This, I in, in, love doing this. Um, mm -hmm. I do podcasts. I've got four different ones. I've got a couple of shows on AM radio in Seattle. So I'm very, very busy doing this. 
but it's not like I'm working at all. It's just I, I sure and just yes, and, and, and look, yeah, exactly. And then I look at what happened to my dad because my dad worked for and this I tell me if this happens to a lot of folks because I think I suspect it does at least in the older generation. He worked for forty years for Nordstroms. Uh, he was a, an executive with them, a high powered guy. He was one of those guys that. That when people, when he would go to their department, they'd say, oh, Mr. McDonald's coming. Mr. McDonald's. So he had a, a great deal of power and he had, he had a great deal of prestige. And he was, uh, they, they have an award. It's called the John W. Nordstrom Award. And he won that award. So he, he, he had a great, and then he retired. And then he had nothing. Nobody said Mr. McDonald anymore. Nobody asked his advice. Nobody asked his opinion. And so he decided that he was going to go play golf. And so he joined a country club, and he turned that into his job. He'd go have mm-hmm. breakfast there. Then they'd play around the golf. Then they'd come back and play uh, cards until 5 or 6 o'clock, and then he'd go home. To, and, that was, and that worked for him and his, my mom because they weren't used to seeing a lot of each other. So it worked. everybody could have their own space. But mm-hmm. as he got older and he couldn't play golf anymore uh, to the degree, then, then he had nothing else. And he wouldn't go do find any. He wouldn't find anything else. He wouldn't volunteer. He he got set in his ways. So he ended up sitting on the couch, and that's what did him in. Yeah, that will kill you. It will. And then you yeah. got to you got to keep active. You got to keep your mind active and moving and stuff. And 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 it's important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's wonderful to have kind of not role models, but we've we've seen those sorts of models, and we don't want to follow that. We want to do something different. We want to make sure that we've got things that we do that don't depend on our, maybe our, our physical ability to do them. Um, things that we're interested in, in the mind, reading and, um, and making and listening to podcasts. And these days you can can be in groups of people that meet online and you never meet physically, but you have that companionship of the, uh, of the online. And when, gosh, the one thing COVID has done for us is to show us how powerful that is. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I, I really encourage people to, to think about that because a lot of us saw our parents do that just sort of fade away to nothingness where they were, sitting in that recliner 10 hours a day watching TV and oh there's only yeah. so much judge Judy you can, yep there's only yeah. so much judge Judy you can watch um, <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's you know it's a, and, if, and what if you are older and you're listening to this or you know somebody that's older listening to this zoom and some of the other products are very easy to get on and you and you can develop a real close relationship with someone and not physically be in their same place, but 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 look at each other's eyes and and see each other and and stuff. And so I highly advocate that for yeah. that can't drive anymore, that can't get out and stuff. That's that's a great second. That's a great another option. A couple of groups that I'm familiar with, and I suspect there are more out there. These are just the two that I know that formed during COVID to totally be a community for older adults online. 
Perfect. And they happen to be, one happens to be located on the West Coast, one's located on the East Coast, but it doesn't matter because everything they do is online. So one is called Amava, A-M-A-V-A, and the other is called Vitality Society. And I always like to sing the praises of both of them because that's a great way to meet uh, in, an interesting group of, of men and women, predominantly women, but um, men do participate as well. Um, for both of those groups, I have led some social solo, some solo aging discussions. And I continue to do that on an ongoing basis. And I, I have a regular cadre of 15 to 20 women that come to each of um, each of our sessions. I do it once a month. I think we're going to back off to once every other month. But, oh, my gosh, these these organizations have so much else going on. Everything from uh, a number of different workout classes to book clubs to lectures to dance to, I mean, you name it. They've figured out how to do it online. I think that's awesome. Well, Sarah, if somebody, again, somebody wants to get a hold of you and to pick your brain about how they can help the, the ones that they love who are getting older and are single, how they can help them out. How do they get in, in touch with you again? Again, it's sarahzefgeber.com. They can see my name, right? Yep, they can see it. I can see my name. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. And yeah, I just can't... take out the spaces and add a dot com, and you've got it. <laughs> that, that's perfect. So, what do you got? You got plans for the holidays? You doing a bunch of stuff? Yeah, we're getting together with friends for Thanksgiving, um, and then we're gonna go down and um, visit some cousins down in San Diego over the Christmas holiday. So, yeah, we're pretty dialed in for that. Keep it busy. Keep it going. And yeah. uh, by the way, we've been talking with Sarah Zeff Geber, and you can go to her website, which is of the same name. And she's got a book there that you can buy the book. And it's in, you can order the book from Amazon or other places. You can also get it from her website, I assume. Uh, well, actually, I just have an Amazon link on my website. It just makes perfect. it so much easier. I don't want to be does. in the book shipping business. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, so go to Amazon, and the name of the book again is for reference. Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. And there are more and more and more of us because I, you know, yeah. after I got yeah. divorced, I, I, I like to say I haven't had a date since 1980, uh, which <laughs> is actually true. But well, you, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't interject with any of the statistics, but. There are some really interesting statistics out there about the number of people that are solo agers. And of the baby boom generation, which I suspect most of your listeners are part of, certainly you and I are, Kevin, yep. um, almost 20% of baby boomer women did not have kids. Um, so that's huge. That is big. Yeah. That is big, which means that the, there's nobody there to come save you. You know, I mean, if I had a daughter, it would have been easy. But I got two sons, and they're <laughs> busy doing their own thing. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it, no, daughters are daughters are better when it comes to caregiving. <laughs> There's no and, doubt. <laughs> and they they want to hang around their old folks too. So my sons is like, nah, Dad, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> anyway, it's been great talking to you, and I want to thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you, Kevin, for inviting me on. Now, if you'll hold on right there, I'll be right back. I've got to do this, and I'll be right back. Okay. 
Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.